who should be the one to confront an issue when you're having problems with your in-laws? Do you send your partner? Do you have a conversation yourself? Do you both do that together? Today, we're talking about boundary setting as a couple and three questions to ask yourself before you think about sending your partner to go and deal with their parents or family members. <laughs> this is Bold as Love. I'm your host, April Boyd. I'm a psychotherapist, coach, and breathwork facilitator. And this is a place where we talk about how we show up and speak up in our lives, our relationships, and our conversations with more kindness, courage, and confidence whether you're talking to the ones who are driving you crazy or dealing with the ones that you love, this is where we look at how we take responsibility for our side of the yard without trying to clean up the mess on everybody else's side, without taking way more responsibility than is actually yours to take. So as we move into this episode, I want to share with you that Again, different things work for different couples. So filter this through your own unique situation. Take the parts of this that are useful. This is just food for thought and some ideas to get you thinking about what feels right for you. Reflecting about the best course for you to move forward and offering some ideas to consider as you do that. So one of the things that I often hear, and it's old advice that I think has been around forever, which is that you should send your partner to go and deal with his family or her family or their family, that they essentially should be like the ambassador for your relationship and be the ones to go and handle the issues when they arrive. And I actually did a whole episode on that a while back called How Not to Do Conflict with Your In-Laws. So you can check that out if that's interesting to you. But today I want to offer three questions to ask yourself as you're deciding how you want to move forward. So the first question is, does your partner see the problem? So often couples and the couples that I talk to in my practice are on two totally different pages. And I'm just going to say he and she for a moment here, just for the sake of this example that I'm thinking of in my head. So, so very often, you know, as a new partner that comes into the circle of that family, right? Because this is what we're entering into when we uh, commit to somebody and become a part of their life and become part of their family and join that circle of people. Inevitably, we see things with fresh eyes, right? We see things that might be really dysfunctional. We see things that are like concerning or shocking or like, what is happening here? Or just plain confusing. And, and that's sometimes because we're the new people on the scene, whereas everybody else, these patterns have been in place forever, sometimes intergenerationally right? We have these habits, we have these rituals, we have these expectations, we have these roles of what we think people should be doing and not doing that's often just handed down from one generation to the next without it really being noticed or evaluated or considered. Is this how we actually want to do things? So, so often as the new person entering the circle, it's like we're seeing it all fresh, present tense right? As opposed to your partner that grew up with this 
And anything that you grow up with, even if it's really dysfunctional, becomes your normal. Becomes what you, it becomes invisible to you because it's just there, like the air that you're breathing in. It's just the way it is. So very often, one of the points of conflict that I see when I'm talking to couples about this kind of stuff is, you know, she's very offended, or she's very concerned or bothered by something that's happening. And he doesn't think it's a big deal. He doesn't really see the problem at all. And so As you're looking at, you know, this idea of do I send my partner to go and have that conversation with them on our behalf, I'd encourage you to really check in. Do they actually even see the problem? And can you expect them to fully, right? Because chances are, even if you're sharing information with them, even if you're, you know, trying to be gentle and and as much as you can to just get them to see it through your eyes and to understand what you're talking about and that you're not trying to criticize, you're not trying to cause harm, you're not trying to disrupt their relationships with their family, but there's some things at play here that like should be questioned and are not okay. They might not ever see it at the same level that you do because for them, it's just normal. So that's the first question to check in on. Do they see the problem And if the answer is no, you might have a little bit more of work or a little bit more conversation to be had around getting on the same page with something. So maybe they don't have to validate that every criticism or concern that you have about their family member is accurate or true, but maybe they're able to really understand here's the position that it puts you into and here's what it feels like from your experience of this. So you might have a little more work to do about finding some common ground here. The next question that I would ask, if you're thinking about sending your partner, oh yeah, just one more thing, because if they don't see the problem, how well are they going to advocate for this change? If they don't really see it as a big deal, if you're sending them to have the conversation on behalf of the couple, how is that likely to go? If they don't actually have a motivating reason of their own, if they haven't bought into why this is even a problem, how are they going to have that chat, right? So the next question is, are they good at it? (laughs) And let me explain a little bit about what I mean. So can you honestly picture your partner having the conversation that you want them to have? And not in those moments when you're kind of amped up and charged up with the anger and frustration and, you know, justified reasons of why this is necessary and valid. But I'm talking about, you know, in your moments of being chilled out and you just see your partner for the human being that they are. Is your partner good at these kinds of conversations? Because notice that wanting to stand up for you or wanting to do right by you is not exactly the same thing as having the competence or the confidence to do that well. This is a skill set. Hard conversations are a skill set. So before you go pushing your partner into having a massively triggering 
anxiety-provoking, stress-inducing conversation with somebody that he possibly feels like he's in the middle of or that they feel like they're in the middle of between you and them, is this something that they're good at? The next question that I want you to consider is what would be your reason for sending them? Why are you sending them really to go and have this conversation without you? And it's just a check-in, right? It's not necessarily a right or wrong because different things fit for different situations, but just check in. What is your reason for sending them? And often when I ask people this, what I hear is like, it's just the old advice of what we're told we're supposed to do. It's their family, so it's their problem. And I'm like, do you really believe that? Is that really what feels true for you? Is that what feels empowering for you? And one of the things that comes up in my mind now, even as I just think about that, is that how you would do it with your friends, <laughs> right? So let's say you had two friends that, you know, would you go and talk to Sarah about something that Jessica was upset about? No, you would encourage Jessica to talk to her directly, right? That's how that would go. So we can kind of look at, you know, just questioning some of these old pieces of advice to say, does this fit with what actually feels effective and empowering for you? And if your partner's good at it, and if they're on board, perfect. That might be, and if they say, no, you know what, I know my family, this is a conversation that I need to have just me and them for whatever reason, perfect, amazing. But often what I see is when I bring up this topic with couples, what I often hear with people, what I often hear is, you know, they say, essentially it comes down to, I just don't want to have the awkward fight. I just don't want to get into this awkward conversation, this awkward conflict with them. So it's actually just way more comfortable for my stress level if I send my partner to do it without me. And I think that that reason is a bit of a cop-out. If we're operating at a fear as opposed to intention, that can lead us into some really wonky places. So what's guiding your decision-making on how you want to handle this? Is it coming from a place of fearfulness? Or here's what I believe in. Here's how I want my partner and I to take care of each other. Here's what I really need. Versus, ah, I don't want to fight with her. I don't want her to get mad at me. I don't want them to think bad things about me. And what I would also encourage you to think about is, chances are, if your partner is setting a boundary with their family, and their family has done this thing this way for the last 20 years of their lives or however long that is, and all of a sudden now this your partner's asking them to change that, they're going to know that this is coming from you anyways. <laughs> You're going to get blamed for this uncomfortable moment anyways. So just check in. And, and what I would encourage you to think about is some of the pieces that I mentioned back in that previous episode of how not to do conflict with the in-laws is there might be times when, when we omit ourselves from a dynamic, we kind of tie our hands a bit because if the problem continues, how comfortable is it for you to speak up 
the next moment your mother-in-law does that exact same thing that you asked your partner to tell her to stop doing and like now you have to sit there and watch her as she does, does it one more time and do you speak up do you expect them to speak up in that moment right and what kind of role does this create in your own relationships with everybody around you if you kind of just sit there biting your tongue when people can probably fit pick up on the fact that you're unhappy and not okay, right? So just to kind of think about how do you want to move through the situation? How do you want to be seen? How do you, what do you want to be known for? And this isn't about protecting yourself from these judgments, right? Because if people are going to judge you, here's what I've learned. If people want to misunderstand you, they're going to misunderstand you. If people want to judge you, they're going to judge you. If people want to be kind to you, they're going to be kind to you. And none of that has anything to do with you. That is all about their stuff, their issues, how they're operating in the world. So it's about how you can get some sleep at night. How do I want to see myself moving through this? What would I be proud of? What could I live with? What would I be okay with? And lastly, the last thing I want to offer is what specific change are you asking for? Because whenever we're setting a boundary with somebody, we have to get really clear, direct, and specific with what that change is. So you can't just say, you know what, I need you to respect our time and and our space. What does that mean? Does that mean that instead of coming over every week, now she only comes over once every six months? Or does it mean once a month? Or does it mean every other week, right? So you actually have to tell people what you need this change to look like. And the next thing is, what is the plan for if they continue to ignore the boundary and push past it? Because I always say, we can't really set a boundary unless we're prepared to enforce it. So between you and your partner, what's the next step? How do we handle it if we say, hey, don't come by our house anymore without calling first, and they continue to come by without calling first? And I was having this conversation with a client, and she was giving the example that her mother-in-law would call late at night. So they both had jobs where they got up early in the morning, so they'd go to bed, you know, probably, I don't know if it's a normal time, early time, I don't know, but they'd go to bed at like 10.30 at night, 10 at night, and at 10.30, the mother-in-law would be calling, wanting to just chit-chat and connect, right? And so even though the daughter-in-law said to her numerous, numerous times, please don't call this late at night, please don't call after 9 p.m., We have to be up early in the morning and this wakes us up or keeps us up. The mother-in-law continued to call. And when we look at this, of course she continued to call. Because can you guess what would happen each time she would call? The husband, her son, would pick up the phone, chat with her until she was finished chatting, until she fully got her need met and satisfied (laughs) that she had talked long enough. And then he would end the call and go to bed, right? And then they would be an hour short on sleep that night when really like the woman was retired. She could have called at any point in time way earlier in the day, right? This was just a preference for her. It was not a necessity. And so this is where 
we have to really look at getting on the same page where maybe there's times when you're sending your partner to go and have that conversation on your behalf. But what I'd also encourage you to think about is how can you just get on the same page even at a behavior level, at an action level, at a this is how we will deal with it if level. Because you can tell somebody all you want, please don't call so late. But if your partner continues to pick up the phone and chit chat with them, they're going to brush you off as if you're just being difficult and annoying. And really, it must be totally fine because look it, he's happily chatting with me. So why would I change for you? Crappy, right? We can argue that's crappy. I think it's crappy. It doesn't feel good. It's definitely a boundary breach. But notice that his action kept this dynamic going, which would have been very different if he just put their ringer on silent and quit answering the phone. Or if he had sent a message, text message and said, hey, it's late. Can I call you tomorrow earlier in the evening? Whatever that is. And instead, he would continue to send the message that it was okay, while his wife would continue to try to send the message that it's not. And potentially, a more generous, more giving, more aware, less selfish person would say, "Ah, I'm not going to call and disrupt one person even if the other person in the house is okay with it, right? Clearly that didn't matter to this person. That wasn't motivating enough for her to not disturb her daughter-in-law. She continued to get her needs met by her son, and that was the part she was interested in. So check in, see how these questions land for you. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you found this useful, please take a screenshot of it and share it and tag me on Instagram. I'm at with love April. And if you have a question that you'd like to hear about, send it in. I'd love to check it out. And that could be the topic of a future episode. Thanks for listening. And I will see you next time.